Welcome to Zion Fellowship's Bible Wire. In these podcasts, we discuss what the Bible says, line upon line and precept upon precept. Today, George Reuter, that's me, will be continuing our study on the book of Galatians. Settle in for the next few minutes and learn more about who God is and how he loves. Welcome to episode four. In episode four, we're going to talk about Galatians chapter two, verses one through ten. So as you flip the pages or tap in your app, you're looking for Galatians two. I'll read the first ten verses. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus so that they might bring us into slavery— To them we did not yield in submission even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And from those who seemed to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me, God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, for who he Try that again. For he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave me the right hand of fellowship. They gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. Those are the first 10 verses of Galatians chapter 2, and they are our topic today. From Acts chapter 11, we learn that Barnabas brought Paul back from Cilicia to assist in the ministry at Antioch. Barnabas stuck with Paul pretty closely early on, and the vibe there is that There were some people who were a little nervous about Paul because he used to, checks notes, kill Christians. So Barnabas kind of stood in the gap and said, no, I can vouch for this guy. This guy's legit. So Barnabas gave Paul some of his street cred, uh, what Bob Sorge calls relational capital. He kind of spent some relational capital to say, no, no, really, this guy's okay. The same point here in Galatians, I'm sorry, the big point here in Galatians 2 is that the content of the gospel remained the same as the gospel that the other apostles preached. Jesus taught the other apostles the truths of the gospel, particularly after his resurrection, right? You remember after Jesus rose from the dead, he stuck around for 40 days talking to his 12 about what would happen at the end of the age. I assume the truths of the gospel. I assume it wasn't just the end of the age. Uh, But that's an assumption on my part. Then Paul comes along, and Paul is also preaching a gospel. Is it the same? 
And Paul's claim is, yes, it's the same. So why go? Why should Paul go to this meeting? Well, it's thought that Paul just wanted to be on the same page as the apostles in Jerusalem. Such a meeting would give confidence to others that the apostles are all really preaching the same message. Uh, It would be a bad look for the early church if, well, in Jerusalem, they say, ta-da-ta-da-ta-da, but Paul's out on the outskirts going, ta-da-ta-da-ta-da, You want those messages to be the same because you want the church to have unity in the gospel that it preaches. You want to make sure that no matter where you go, uh, no matter what Christian message you hear, the main tenets are the same. Ronald Fung is a commentator on this passage, and he says, quote, Positively expressed, his concern was to assure that they would recognize his converts as genuine Christians and members of the church. He was concerned, in other words, with officially securing the freedom of the Gentiles from the requirements of the law and their equality of status with Jewish Christians. Implicit in this concern for Gentile freedom was concern for the unity of the church, Paul's anxiety was not lest refusal of recognition on the part of the Jerusalem authorities should thereby render his own work invalid and his Gentile Christians non-Christian, but lest such refusal should bring about a rupture of the one church into two separate branches of Jewish and Gentile Christianity." End quote. And that's not a small thing. Remember that the church in Jerusalem was very, very Jewish by nature. I mean, if you're going to start a church in Jerusalem, it is going to be a very Jewish church. But Paul wasn't preaching to Jews. Paul was preaching to Gentiles on the outskirts. And so you don't want it to be, well, the Jews are saying this about Jesus and the Gentiles are saying this completely different thing about Jesus. So it did make sense for Paul to meet with the, with the leaders in the church in Jerusalem to say, look, this is what I heard from Jesus How does it jive with what you heard from Jesus? This is the message that I believe I'm called to preach to the Gentiles. How does it jive with what you preach to the Jews? It's not a bad thing uh, to talk with other people who do what you do about what you do. We would do well to make sure that the message that we bring about Jesus is consistent with what the church universal for 2,000 years has brought about Jesus. So what's going on in verses 3, 4, and 5? Rereading. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus so that they might bring us into slavery, to them we did not yield in submission even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. What is going on in those verses? Well, see, Titus was uncircumcised, which is in present day not very controversial. But in that day, it was quite controversial because of the troublemakers. 
Those who slipped in wanted to make sure that believers were obeying Jewish customs, that they were Jews first and then Christians. And for them, for those who slipped in, that meant circumcision. And Paul would have none of it. Either the gospel is grace plus faith with no works at all, or it isn't. You can't have a requirement of circumcision and then also preach faith and grace alone. So there's a meeting. Paul meets with Peter, James, and John. They are all on the same level. That's what it means for Paul to say, what they are makes no difference to me. Why does he meet with them? to make clear the message they're preaching, and they're all okay with everyone else's preaching. Everybody looks at each other like that Spider-Man meme and says, yep, yep, you're me, I'm you, I'm you, you're me, yep, sure, everybody is everybody, we're fine. Boy, I hope in 10 years when somebody hears this that the Spider-Man meme can be found anyway. Let's just go on. The result of the meeting was twofold. First, they established spheres of influence for the sake of the harvest. Paul and Barnabas were to go to the Gentiles. Peter and James and John were to stay with the Jews. When you're doing what you're made to do, I can bless it. No one gets territorial, and we remember that we're about the harvest generally and not our particular part of it. I don't have to get jealous of you because you get to travel and go talk to the Gentiles. You don't get jealous of me because I get to stay in Jerusalem. Uh, we're the big city and talk to all the people in the city where Jesus died. No one gets territorial. The meeting established spheres of influence for the sake of the harvest. Hey, you feel like you're called to go talk to the Gentiles? Go do it. We feel like we're called to stay here and preach to the Jews. We'll do it. The men in Jerusalem, let's just deal with this side note at the end here. The men in Jerusalem also insisted that Paul and Barnabas remember the poor. And this is something that gets lost in our gospel mentality from time to time. When we talk about gospel preaching, it is very often what happens on the platform or with the microphone or with the sandwich board or with the gospel tracts or whatever. And what gets lost is that they insisted, Paul and Barnabas remember the poor. Our gospel preaching must of necessity have a component that reaches those with nothing, those who have no voice, those who are on the outs, those who are downtrodden. Um, Tim Keller refers to those of special concern. Who gives a voice to the voiceless? Who gives on behalf of those who don't have the capital? Our gospel preaching must reach those people in physical ways. It's not just, hey, Paul and Barnabas, remember the poor, tell them all about Jesus. It's, hey, Paul and Barnabas, remember the poor and meet their needs as you are able. So I want to make sure if we're going to be a gospel-centered people, We've got to be on the lookout for those people who do not have 
don't have a voice, don't have resources, don't have clout, don't have the things that make a person popular or wealthy or quote-unquote important. And we keep those people in mind when we reach out to our communities. Otherwise, it's an empty message with which we reach out. I don't want to be an empty vessel. I don't want to... I don't want to give a message that rings hollow. I want to speak a message that brings life, not just to the soul, but also to the body, because Jesus very much cares about the entire person. So that's my challenge for us today. Can we, in our teaching, in our preaching, when we embody the gospel to others, are there words of life that are followed by actions that give life? Are there actions of life that are followed by words of life? Those are things to think about as you go about your day. We have reached the end of today's Bible Wire podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, or if you'd like more resources related to this podcast, you can find us online at www.zionfellowship.net. We're also available on social media. Look for Zion Fellowship. Thank you for joining us today on Bible Wire.